um, and I work for a dating company. So in my mind, sales is just dating with with a different climax and payoff. Really, <laughs> boom. Um, just saying, we're just floating line to PG. But um, I do think that a lot of the same skills of like trying to approach someone, like like the way you'd want to ask someone out, the way you'd want you know someone to be yeah, you to wouldn't present be an anti-social sociopath. Right. Yeah, dude, it's it's like weird, man. Like, and you know, the people who are creepy in a bar context are probably the same people who are creepy in a sales context, right? So, I think there's a lot of cross correlation there. And, and folks that have worked in the service industry, if you're listening, cyber selling is very much a natural transition for you. Yep. Seriously, consider for real. It. We went we went through a period in time when I was the hiring manager, which was another story for a different guy. <laughs> where I refused to hire anybody that hadn't worked in the service industry because for a period when I was just a, a individual contributor before that, I convinced management, I go, go to the bar down the road and hire all the bartenders. And it, it ended up being three of us, three, three girls, and we kicked ass and took names for like three solid years. It was amazing. It was just three of us. And we slayed it. Welcome back to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer relationship and everything in between. I'm George K. with the vendor side. And I'm George A., a Chief Information Security Officer. And today we have two guests from the sales side, Carlos Guerrero and our first returning guest, Maria Graham. Welcome to you both. Hey guys, thanks, thanks for having me back. I didn't realize I was the first returning guest. I feel like super special right now. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm glad to be back. I love you guys. It's cool. All right, here we go. So normally we ask about your journey into cyber, but there are two of you and we don't have time for that. We have a lot of ground to cover. I'm going to deviate a little bit. I'm going to give some inside baseball. So to our listeners, Carlos, Maria, and I are on a text thread where we are texting every day about all the things. And it was over the course of multiple conversations that I saw these two talking about like, hey, Carlos, I'm going to send you a lead from so-and-so needs XYZ. Carlos would say, hey, Maria, I'm sending so-and-so over to you. So I got curious about this dynamic between you two, and I really wanted to have you on the show because it's the first time that I had seen sellers actively talking about sharing leads, doing intros for one another. And I think you two might have mentioned that you're like, the strongest business development channel for <laughs> either one. So that's why you're here on the show. And because you are on the sales side, the CISO will get first crack. So I will kick it over to George A to get us started. Awesome sauce. Thank you. I am uh, super excited to be hanging out with our friends, Carlos and Maria, because uh, I think the world of you guys, I'm not in on the selling group chat because I'm usually yelling at salespeople, but... I do love that George maintains all the best relationships for us. Be um, nice. <laughs> no, 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 man. You're, you're the best, um, which kind of goes into this. Like, Given that you two basically started partnering together to develop business, how are you able to put aside the competitiveness that comes with quota-based sales to actually work together? Like, I think it's a bit revolutionary that you two come from two completely different employers and you guys are basically passing the puck on opportunities. Um, so Carlos and I got hooked up just via LinkedIn, maybe a little over a year and a half ago. And, um, when we got to talking, uh, back to like what we've always talked about, and what you guys always talk about on the show is we really value kind of, we were trying to figure out, I think that approach to being a human, a human centric approach to sales, um, and get away from what the traditional methodology was. And we, we kind of formed a relationship. We were kicking ideas back and forth, trying to figure out how to use different social tools, different uh, contacts, different relationships, different referral methods in order to get business. Because to your point, uh, George A, we get yelled at if, if, if we cold call. So, so it's not working as effectively as it used to. It does here and there. Um, and through the course of that, we gained, or at least I'm speaking for myself, I gained such a sincere level of trust and respect for the way that Carlos runs his book of business and the way that he treats just people within his atmosphere, within his within his within his um, network, um, that you know, after maybe 
four or five conversations, I asked them, I said, what do you guys do anyway? Right. And, and there is a little bit of overlap between our two organizations, but there's a lot of things that I do really well that they don't do really well and vice versa. Um, and to me, if I'm going to send somebody again, cause I start with a relationship. If I'm going to, if somebody says I'm looking for X, Y, Z, and I know Carlos's organization or Carlos can do that. I prefer to send them to somebody that I trust and respect and I know is going to honor the relationship that I've worked my ass off to build with this person and not make me look like an idiot versus pushing it through just right. here's the big name or here's the, here's somebody that I, we, I've heard of and so on and so forth. Um, and it's been, it's been pretty successful. I think that's how it kind of started. Um, it, again, not about numbers, about the human being that we were dealing with, at, at least for me. I don't know, Carlos, if you want to. No, I, I think that you nailed it. And, and from my experience, I was thinking about this before jumping on the call. You know, when I left the, the nonprofit art center and, and, and entered into the business world, my first foray into doing that was just getting involved in the community. And I started um, with um, uh, at an organization or working with an organization called BNI. It's called Business Networking International, and they have a motto called "Givers Gain." And one of the things they did was they would um, uh, you, they would monitor how many referrals you passed, and it was almost like the 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 goal was to pass as many referrals as possible. And I found that through doing that, I was just a bit of a natural connector. And I just find that, that you kind of get the force multiplied um, thing happening when you start doing that. And it's just, I think uh, like the more you give out, the more that comes back. And I, that's just kind of what I've experienced over my tenure in business in general. Yeah. I think, I think it's important to kind of highlight the fact that um, as a, as a theme, both of you, uh, are relationship first oriented persons, um, you know, like, and, and, you know, in, in my separate discussions with both of you, I find that you are two of the most enjoyable people to connect with in industry. Uh, I haven't had, like, I think Carlos, you and George might have met in person at some point. Um, and I know Maria, you and George have, like, I feel, I feel like I've legitimately missed out because I haven't actually had a chance to connect with you guys. But um, based on the interactions that we have digitally, it's incredible that you guys bring a certain um, spirit of, of uh, how you say, like a genuine spirit about you that sets you apart from most of the other sellers that I tend to meet. And I think, you know, that that kind of approach lends to perhaps the collaboration. And George, I think that's a natural segue into you, eh? Yeah, I think looking at how you guys discovered this collaboration, when you f did the first referral, was that like a moment where you're like, oh, I'm going out on a limb? Because it probably at that point you you weren't quite knowing each other that well. Oh, look, you're shaking your head. So you you had like the good vibe like right away. Yeah, I'll tell you, like when I when I when I saw we were on, on audience first, and and when I saw the way that Maria was interacting, and from our first conversation, I knew it was a, a somewhat of a kindred spirit in the sense that. This person is going out there doing her job and doing her job well and knocking down deals, as we used to kind of say, but doing things in a way that was, you know, not, not only genuine, but, but the, a certain level of authenticity and realness that I think you don't necessarily find, especially in people that are completely transactional, right? And so, and, and I think that what Maria has probably discovered over the length of her career and something I'm certainly latched on to, it, it's not only because... Um, um, well, I should say that the reason is because mm -hmm. it works, right? I mean, and it works in, in, in terms of the long game. So I had a, I had a feeling from the very beginning, if I was going to introduce Maria to someone, it was, it was going to be, um, they were going to be taken care of and, and not just from a service standpoint, but just from a pure, um, you know, relationship standpoint. And I knew they weren't going to be pitched or, or, or anything weird. And it's got to strike me as like, it's fairly natural because you can't anticipate what the prospect needs. It's just in the course of talking with somebody that you hear, you know, something that Carlos does or something that Maria does. And it just so happens. I, right? I think it started that way for sure. But I will tell you that now I actively will ask questions that I know will mm. help find Carlos business for two reasons. Um, 
we've heard it. You get this is your whole thing, right? The the process is broken and companies don't do it right. And da 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 da. Well, if I'm already on a phone call, that means I've done something to earn trust. So I have a relationship with this person. I also have a relationship with you, George, and with you, George, and with you, Carlos. So if I can do anything to help my relationships, I'm going to do that. That's just what it's. That's what it's all about. I think the other thing too is, let's face it, Carlos and I are commission. That's how we have to sell things <laughs> to feed up to make it to make a paycheck. So, like, yes, relationships yeah. are important, but a paycheck's important too. Um, and what we have found is, it sounds crazy, and I know that a lot of people are saying that cybersecurity is going the way of the channel, and everything's going to go through channel partners and all this kind of stuff. But it's kind of a, a polar opposite to what a lot of the buyers are saying, which is what you want relationships and, and you yeah. can't really have both. Um, and so I think like, I think what is unique about this scenario is people I've had somebody say, well, what's in it for you? If I talk to him, absolutely. They're nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. There's nothing in it for me. There's nothing in it for my company. He's just, you said you need help with this. He's done good work for a few people. I know I like him. I trust him. He's a good friend. If you want an intro, I'll hook you up. And then I back out. I dig this also because it's the currency is your reputation, which is pretty much the highest stakes that it gets, right? If, if Maria, you were just an affiliate marketer yeah. slinging whatever the hell to whoever, like no one would do business with you. But like, this is like old school in the truest sense of like your name, your honor essentially is on the line. That's not a, that's not a word that gets bandied about a lot in cybersecurity, but well, let's bring it back. Um, all right. Over to you, George A. Yeah, I think Maria kind of hits the nail on the head because uh, even for me as a as a client side executive, like I have my, you know, kind of preferred vendors and my preferred salespeople and account reps. Um, if I know somebody on my side of the house that needs a certain tool or solution or service and I do business or I've done business with folks who I really like, I'll directly refer them as well. So I think it goes both ways to George's point. Reputation in this game is everything. And even in the affiliate marketing game, it could be stated that if you are a reseller, if you're a channel partner, your value add is your ability to be a security advisor to that client. So you have to master what you're selling and you have to understand the client relationship enough. Right. Like that's what that's what's being handed off. And we can have a, a whole other episode on that on affiliate sales alone. Um, but what I wanted to ask you guys about, just a shotgun approach of questions, I don't know how you guys want to handle this, but my thinking is this this kind of novel way that you guys are doing things. Like one, do your CROs know about how you two have operated? If so, how did you get them to buy in? Uh, do you think this is a practice that could be scaled out to the whole of industry? Um, if so, how would we go about it? You know, I would think that this would have to be a grassroots movement you know, stemming from the sellers and growing in popularity so that forward-thinking C-suites and boards would want to adapt that into their own teams and training methodologies. But I am not a professional seller. You folks are. So what do you guys think? Woof. Okay. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good question. So um, my, my CRO is very aware of the relationship that I have with Carlos and the way that we pass business back and forth. Now, that being said, I'm a bit of a unicorn in the cybersecurity space and the fact that I've been at my company for 12 years. So I have a little bit of um, credibility and trust that maybe a lot of people don't in terms of performance and, and what, can, you know, mm. just I can ask for something and I, I generally, you know, receive it uh, with a grain of salt in, until I prove myself. Um, I, I do think it's something that's tricky to do at scale because unless everybody on the sales team buys into it and there's, let's face it, there's a ton of sellers. Um, I mean, I've had mentorship calls with people that I don't even work with that. How are you doing what you do? And I tell them what I'm doing and I see them on LinkedIn doing the polar opposite of what I <laughs> would work. Um, so unless everybody's going to buy into this approach, it won't scale because you're going to have people arguing over territory and that, that one's in my territory and that's whatever. And, and so my thing in my organization is you worked your ass off to build this relationship. You can own that relationship unless you deem otherwise, if it's an account you don't really want, give it to the territory. Mm -hmm. rep. But that's your relationship. You developed that you're, you've curated it. You've put the time into it. Um, and it's working. So, you know, you do what you need to do with that. I don't see that being something that's wildly acceptable uh, at a lot of places, um, until you had enough people bought in into this whole kind of paradigm shift in, in the way that, you know, I think sales needs to be executed um, in 2024 and to the foreseeable future until people get sick of making friends, because that could happen too, who knows? 
um, I, so I don't know. I don't know how easy it would be to scale. I don't know. Carlos, what do you think? That's, that is a hard question, George. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think that you mentioned grassroots movement and I, I think it, it's a shift in mindset. And, and I think it's sometimes people that end up finding their way into sales, the, the motivation looks and feels like on the surface you know, very transactional. There's a number they need to hit. There's numbers we need to hit. But I think you start to find certain people that are a little bit more creative, a little bit more open. And I, I always kind of um, identified Maria with a builder and I identify myself also with a, as a builder. And that's one thing I respect a ton about Maria. And I, and I think that sales just happens to be the tools in which we build. And so we're out mm-hmm. front sort of pushing the envelope on things and not just necessarily thinking purely about the cash register, even though the cash register is completely important, not only for making a living, but just for being able to do this. If I showed up and Maria showed up next year and dropped a goose egg, we're not going to be where we are. I mean, they just, they just won't keep us around. And so there's a balancing act there, but to, to, to get it to kind of scale at any degree it just we have to be having conversations like this and and george you know buyers like yourself you need to be having conversations with people in the same way right be open to having conversation with sellers especially if they're not going to be talking to you about selling and that's the that's the name of the game well i will tell you and george k knows this um cso's have uh group chats between each other and uh if you're an asshole everyone's gonna know you're an asshole but if you're awesome, everyone's going to know you're awesome. So you are right, Carlos. On our side, we have responsibilities to help support this movement too. I was going to say what it comes down to, it sounds like instead of sort of methodology out of the box, it's establishing a value set, right? And you've baselined your philosophy and you're like, this is what yeah. I stand for. And I build my practice against those values. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, that um, has helped me with this kind of it is grassroots and it's different from anything we've ever done before, but I will now have, I have certain clients, right. That like you said, George, a, you guys have your chats and your slacks and you talk to each other. Um, well, I have a handful of clients that if they're going to refer business to Newspire, that's my company. Um, it's going to Maria and that is it, or they will not refer the business because they trust me to take care of the person that they're referring. And that breaks the mold too. But yeah. it's a huge deal and a huge help for the folks that are doing it right. Because the more that happens, the more leadership can see, mm-hmm. well, what is she doing that is, is, is if we want the business, it's going to Maria. If, the, if, we, if we want the business, it's going to Carlos. So there's like a lot of different, there's other things the other side could be doing to help um, our side kind of see the writing on the wall, if that makes sense. Yeah, I dig that as an idea that the CISOs can help exert a certain gravity that pulls tactics in a certain direction. That's really interesting to me. So right before the break, though, this is the bare knuckles portion of the show, which is usually the airing of grievances. We've kind of taken a different path here. But given that, and we got this last question in, I want to give you two a moment to talk about kind of your biggest grievance about the vendor customer divide. I think sales gets a lot of slag. um, But now is your opportunity to to either turn the tables or to call out stuff that isn't working you know i I think the i think one of the biggest challenges with you know an an immature industry that's you know maturing right in front of us and one that you know where the consequences are so dire there's a bit of a gold rush mentality and especially around the tech component and i think because of all that all that energy focused on um, uh, venture capital and, and building, you know, uh, technology and, and going to market as fast as they can with all these BDR groups. I think that's created a lot of um, um, friction within within the marketplace that that has has caused a little bit of this disdain that makes it a little bit harder for us to have genuine open conversations, and it makes it that much harder to to get those things teed mm-hmm. up. I, I think that's kind of a, a big part of the reason why that, that problem exists. But I will say the flip side of that, which has to do with mentality, is once you can get over that hill to the point where people are having conversations with you because they trust you just to have a conversation, then that then, then you're kind of there by yourself in a way. And, and you can kind of raise above, above the fray because almost because of 
the obstacle you've overcome. I, I don't know if you've experienced uh, anything. Yes, hundred like percent. Um, so I agree with that, but I have a little bit of a different, um, you know, I guess one thing I, I don't love as a seller is there's so much noise from folks that are wildly unhelpful um, on the practitioner <laughs> side, telling us how horrible we are at our jobs. Um, and I understand that, yes, we can be why we can be not very good at our jobs, but you know, there's, I have such a deep and immense appreciation for like, um, you George K, because you don't come out here and just say, you guys, you suck. And I growl at all of you and blah, 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 blah. You come, you, 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 you give constructive criticism and you give us ideas or things that we could do better. And, 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 and a kind of a, a, a like a guy, a, a path to follow, to, to be able to engage with folks like you. And so, um, while everybody is complaining or not everybody, but I would say, and we all see it, a large majority of practitioners are out there are, are throwing tasers at the sales, the marketing, the BDRs and all that kind of stuff. Very few folks are actually trying to be the change that they want to see. And so like, we need more of that too. Um, not just the Carlos and the Maria's trying to be better on the sales side, but people that if you don't like how it's being done, then tell us what you want so yeah. we can try and figure it out. It's part of the motivation when George and I started the show was um, I literally just wanted to give people like on the sales side, a cheat sheet of like how to sell to me. That was part <laughs> of it. It was just, I just hated all the things so much. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, what if I just like, tell people what exactly guys like me are looking for like maria your your logic is bang on that's like the entire point of the show yeah nice. so more of you please hmm. all right we're gonna take a short break and we will be right back hey listeners your time and attention are valuable so we're grateful that you lend them to us every week our mission is for you to walk away from every episode with something new to think about and hopefully get a few laughs in here and there too. We're excited to announce we have a new coffee site if you're interested in supporting the show and what we do. You can lend your support in the form of a one-time donation or join one of our membership tiers starting for as little as $3 a month and each membership tier comes with different benefits. Any support you can lend helps offset the costs of producing the show, and we get to do more fun things like make dope swag. You can find the link in the show notes, and thanks again for listening. Now, back to our conversation with Carlos Guerrero and Maria Graham. We're back. We'll start with you again, Mr. CISO. Sweet, right on. Like, enough people don't fucking hate me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's just the start of the year and budgets and all that stuff. Anyways, back to the show. So building relationships, not deals. How do you two approach it from a first contact until renewal and beyond kind of timeline? Carlos, starting with you, man. Yeah, thanks, uh, Mr. CISO. I appreciate it. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the initial conversation, I mean, besides the, the, um, the conversations that either, you know, come in through uh, my company or, you know, ones that, you know, get referred by, you know, someone uh, like Maria, when I'm my, my general outreach approach has been primarily built around LinkedIn. And that's where about a year and a half ago, I, I, I started a um, kind of a, a mission or, or a, um, a goal of putting out content and trying to be authentic. And that turned into promoting podcasts like this, um, promoting my own events and just trying to be real. And then also I've built out a, um, on LinkedIn Navigator, people I want to meet and people I want to stay in touch with. And what I do is I, I cruise those every so often and I make sure to comment on people's stuff. I make sure to ping them and say hi. I make sure to just kind of start developing relationships. And over time, you know, eventually people will have a meeting with you regardless if, if they need your service. And that's what, how I feel like I build true top of funnel. And when I have a conversation with someone like that, that I know may not even know exactly what I do until I tell them, I say, hey, if you if you've enjoyed having a conversation with me, if you've enjoyed that conversation, how about I introduce you to someone that's exactly the same way that's also can be a resource in the industry. And a lot of times they'll say no, and I'll introduce Maria and they're the mm -hmm. right 
persona, the right you know, ICP. I mean, they're the right people, but we just don't start talking about deals because they didn't go shopping for that. What they did was they were trusted me enough to have a conversation with me. And along the way, I get to tell them what I do. And, and sometimes those turn into deals rather quickly. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes they make introductions. But that's the overall approach that I've I've been doing with is social and then now combining that with real life events and pe- piggybacking those on, on, on with one nice. another is how I've been doing things. Maria? So I for the social stuff, actually, Carlos is the one that showed me the approach that he was using and I've in, implemented that into my um, process as well. And I kind of liken it to um, from a sales funnel perspective. It's like when you go to your kid's soccer game and you just say hi to the mom next to you and then that's it. And then you keep walking. And it's like, but the next thing you're like, Hey, she played great. And then you keep walking. It's like, it's like anything you would do in, in real life. So each touch, you're not doing it, um, with an angle necessarily, just like you're not telling the kids mom, the great job or whatever with an angle. It's, it's really each touch is meant to further the relationship. So when they're willing to actually get on a call with you, um, it usually makes things a lot quicker too. Cause now if they want to talk business, why? Okay. Well, you know, you've known for a while what I do because you've scoped me out or whatever. It makes things move a lot quicker. That's the social side on like a cold call. Cause that still has to be a thing that we do just to, to an extent. Right. And you do it strategically and you do it the right way. Um, or if I have, um, a meeting set for me for my inside sales team, um, is very different uh, than I think what I, I used to do. And a lot of this comes from listening to shows like this, Audience First, the WTF stuff. But um, I don't, I get on a call and like, if somebody's going to take a cold call meeting that was set with me, there's a reason because y'all are busy as fuck. You don't have time to take just random meetings. So I get, I get on a call and I just say, so, Hey, you know, my name's Maria. I'm going to keep this super casual for today. I looked you up on LinkedIn. I see your title. That title means something different at every organization. Tell me your roles and responsibilities and what prompted you to take a call with me today. I'll get you the information relevant to that as quickly as possible so I can make the best use of your time. And that's all I say. I don't say anything about what we do. I don't say anything about that. And usually people are kind of caught off guard by that because I'm so direct to the point, respectful of their time. Like they don't know what to do with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, wait a minute. I was expecting 30 slides. (laughs) I don't even have a slide. I have no slides for a first ever. I don't do that. And, and it, it catches them off guard in a way that I think instantly they, there's a, and, and George K would be curious to hear your thoughts, but I, it almost breaks down barriers so quickly that they're willing to open up the kimono very quickly. And they'll tell me right off the get go, I have this initiative. I'm looking for this. I need help with this. I saw your sock. Boom. Can you do this? Yes, I can. And that's it. Let's set a more technical meeting. Or I quickly understand you're a Seymour uh, that just for whatever reason likes to take full <laughs> for no reason. And that also helps me understand how to, how to use my time and I'll get them information mm-hmm. quickly. I'm done in 10 minutes and I'm not wasting my time at that point. And so um, I think being real, uh, you, you don't have to sugarcoat stuff. Just get to the point. We're all busy. I have a job. You have a job. Why are you talking to me right now? Let's go. Yeah. I think what that means is that because you have built up the the trust and that threshold has been reached, that you can afford to be expedient in the business discussion. Whereas the model of sort of run the numbers and get people on the phone, because you haven't had that time It means you're trying to squeeze that all into that first 15 minute call. You're trying to squeeze in the pitch. You're trying to be like friendly and talk about the fucking weather. Like everyone talks about the weather. You're trying to like establish report. You're trying to do so many social things, so many communicative tasks in the first call that it's kind of set up for failure. Right. That's that's why it gets really hard. Well, this is different though. So this is not necessarily I haven't done any touches on these accounts. These are ones like an an SDR. Mm. Somebody agreed to take a meeting. So I don't, if somebody's agreeing to take a meeting with me and I've never talked to you, I look you up on LinkedIn, I'm not connected with you. You don't know who I am. I've never done anything. I just kind of have a the opinion. I'm going to, just how I am with you, you know, George, how I am. I'm very like, Hey, like today I said, Hey, can I use AI to do this? Like we were talking about something totally different. I blasted you with like, I need help. How do I do this? It's the same thing. Be direct and to the point because you obviously agreed to take a call. Why? Yeah. I will tell you. Sorry. Go ahead, Carlos. I want to make, 
I want to make a quick point. There's something I completely forgot, Maria, and you tell me if I'm I'm off base, but we're both trained. Mm-hmm. Like we both have a methodology that we're trained in and have spent years like being trained. And I just am guessing that Maria, you were a pretty good student. I, I know that I was. And I, I internalized, like I did mm-hmm. the, I, I was like the Sandler method, right? So like I internalized the the way of of using this, these skills essentially that I learned in order to run meetings. And that way that I run meetings ends up building trust way more than talking about the weather. And that's typically just a system that keeps everything in front of you, keeps everything honest and upfront and make sure that no one gets hosed along the way. And it, it's, it, I think that that's a big part of this that I don't know it's, that we necessarily yeah. talk about enough. So this brings me to my next question, which I think most of our listeners who are on the sales side would be very interested in. I think a lot of people intuitively grasp what y'all are saying, right? Build these relationships. And then, you know, if you build it, they will come. But I want to, ask about operating rhythm. You both mentioned justifiably that you are held to a number. So you get that number. And so typical sales, right? I'm going to work backwards from that number. If I'm just doing kind of the cold funnel numbers game approach, I'm using those numbers. I got to do X amount of stuff to convert Y amount of things to get to a number. That's usually how the math is working. And I think people would be like, I love what you're saying, but I, I don't have time for that, or I don't scale that. Right. So Walk me through, you got your number, but walk me through kind of your daily proportion of tasks, like how much time is spent cold versus, you know, trying to extend these relationships, check in on people, like, talk to me about the tactics. Uh, Carlos, why don't we kick it off with you? Yeah, man, that's that's a really great question. And as much as I'd like to say I'm entirely prescriptive, there becomes a certain intuitive component to the whole thing. But the part that I am prescriptive about is once I start having conversations with people about business, I know how to take that thing. Like if I get a discovery call, it's my favorite part because then like it's like, okay, we get to have this conversation together. And sometimes it goes nowhere, but I can see, I know, like if the hair on the back of my neck stands up, like if we've made that connection, if there's a certain sort of like they get what I'm throwing down and I'm getting them, I know ex- I know how this thing can possibly go. And I know how to keep the thing in front of me and and, and, and work those rhythms. And I think that's where the, the prescriptive nature of all that comes from. It, knowing when and how to take certain meetings. I was talking about Marie, to Maria about this today. You know, sometimes we end up taking meetings with people that are, leadership would probably mm. not love for us to be taking meetings with because it doesn't feel and look like it makes a lot of sense. But once we get a deal, I'm pretty sure we we, we have a pretty good cadence in knowing how to deliver trust along the way until we you know get folks uh, across the line. All right, Maria. Yes. I think uh, I'll piggyback off Carlos and then add some other flavor to it. I think um, to his point, once I get a deal into the pipeline, like I've opened up an active opportunity, mm. there is an art form to shepherding buyers through the sales process or their flip it and use their words through the buying process. You have to be able to do that effectively. It's not easy. I've seen a ton of people fail miserably at it. So I think to, to Carl's point earlier, being strong in whatever method, there's a thousand methodologies, pick one, align to it, use it, be a master yeah. at it. And so that you have a prescriptive formula for when the deal is open in your pipeline. So you can at a super high close rate and you can say kind of with a, with a, an idea of certainty, if it gets into my, if it gets into my 10%, I'm going to get that thing to hundred because I know mm-hmm. how to do that. And if it's at 10%, that means I have a high chance of closing. Can so that's you, the can first take, thing. All right. Can you take a few steps back? How are we Yes. Now I'm going to, that is what I was going to do. (laughs) So to get it into 10% though, I think that is a really hard thing to do with this relationship-based approach. It's a long game. Um, The first six to seven months that I did it, I, um, I didn't, nothing happened. Like I wasn't closing deals from it at all. (laughs) um, But what has started to happen since then, since building the relationships is I'll get a note. I got a note from somebody in Louisiana. Hey, I I was at a conference. I asked these three people who their MSSP of choice is. And they all said, you need to talk to Maria Graham. Boom, paper inked. Right. Um, So that's, so that's what I'm saying. So like it, 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 it's a long game and you still, you can't just do that though. You still have to do cold mm-hmm. outreach because let's face it, you're not going to hit your number just doing this on, on your own, but there's a, there's an appropriate way to do it. So like to, to Carlos point, a lot of what I'll do is I spend 
an hour front end of my day, an hour back end of my day, just liking, commenting, posting, liking, commenting, posting, reaching out to mm-hmm. people, checking in. How's what? What's how's life? Are you whatever? Um, so that's how I spend first and last hour on a ideal day. Stuff goes crazy, you know. It's not every day, mm-hmm. but it's my that's my that's my plan. And then for the people that I want to start doing outreach to on phone and email, I will then look at the most engaged folks on that list of people on LinkedIn. So at least. Maybe they've never commented on my stuff or they've never engaged with me, but they've seen my name at least because they mm-hmm. I'm doing that kind of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on their on their social platforms. And so then when I call, if they pick up, I can say something relevant to something I saw um, instead of, hi, it's Maria with Newspire. Do you have 30 seconds for me to blah, 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 blah? Yeah, and this, is, this is what I would tell listeners, right? That's effectively, and my co-host here, the former intelligence officer, right? That's building kind of like a dossier you're trying to understand these people in some way so that you can come to the table with something other than like i saw your name and your title and zoom info let's talk so i I will i will say to uh, maybe this might be a bit inside baseball on, on the practitioner perspective if you do build a solid initial runway relationship with a prospect um you know, like you guys will become teammates. Like if you convince me that your product or your services is, is what we need or what I need, basically we got to work together to get stakeholder alignment on my end to get the thing purchased. Cause like we've talked about it before, George and I have, there is barely any CISO that I know of that has complete executive purchasing power without somebody somewhere at least being aligned or, or approving it. So, you know, I, I've had some sellers that, you know, and, and, and I, and I, I don't forget about them. Like, and I know most other CISOs that aren't, you know, fundamentally sociopaths are the same kind of boat. You really like them. <laughs> you know, like I, I like my, my, my sellers, my account, my preferred ones. I like them as people and you build these real relationships. You know, you go to events together, you go to dinners together, you have good times together. And it's like, Hey, I really like your product and I really like you. I want to get this sale for you as much as I need what you're selling. And you know, like uh, I think of, um, uh, you know, I could, I could say it now because it didn't end up working out, but um, uh, my friend Mark Antoine from uh, Lacework, man, Mark put in over a year of work trying to get the thing working uh, in my shop. And, and you know, I, I swung probably, and you know, just honest conversation. Um, I know I, I won't get, <laughs> I won't catch shit for this at work, thankfully, but, um, you know, I tried a good solid three, four times and we got right up to the line uh to to cfo ceo kind of decision to approve a sale and it just didn't happen um you know they, they have a bit of a pricier product but if anyone knows anything about them you know they're 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 a great organization they have great to, great technology great people work in there um <clears throat> i think I, we uh geez uh our friend just became their field cso um, yeah merit bear yeah merit shout, out. shout out to merit as well but you know like yeah. mark I, you know, I i still to this day I feel like shit that we couldn't close that. I feel like shit because the amount of effort and time that he put in and he did his job well and he's really good and he's a good guy. So, you know, if anyone, you know, happens to run into the guy, he's a great guy to work with. Um, as, as a practitioner, I still remember and feel bad for the engagements that work out on a personal level, but we couldn't work it out in the business. But I'll tell you this, if Mark's still in the business, you know, let's say I go to another shop at some point, and Mark's still in the game. You know, I'm going to be looking to see, is he still at Lacework? Who's he working for now? Is there a way we can do business together? Just because I like the guy that much. And uh, that's where, you know, Maria talking about the long game. Sometimes the long game is like really, really a long game. To the point, it's though, Maria. It's important, though. It's very important. And also, then, shout out to Lacework. They just scooped up another one of our friends, Tara. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, they got, that's dude, right. I, I had a really good hangout with their uh, CEO founder. He's a cool dude, but a separate conversation. And Maria, you spoke to another thing, too, that it's it's kind of my style of business management as a practitioner executive. Um, you know, like uh, Record Future is a shop I, I've worked with throughout my whole career at every one of my employers. Um, and I recently uh, got a new account guy. He's great. Um, we had our first, it was supposed to be just an introduction lunch just for him to say hi. He was three weeks on the job, supposed to be like a half hour lunch, turned into a two hour conversation talking about almost anything and everything, but the actual business. I just liked the dude. We, um, he brought me in for a thing. We had, we had a renewal coming up in December. And so he invites me out to this cool, it was like a 
geez, it was like an American Thanksgiving football watch party. So I literally, I, I got off the train, head down to Toronto, went to the party right away. And we hung out there. Um, geez, that must have been like a five, six hour hangout. And I'll admit, like we got, we got a little bit tuned up. There were some drinks, you know, there were some pops. <laughs> it was all right. Um, but, you know, we had that renewal coming. So we're having a great time, the whole thing. At one point, right before him and I were like, okay, let's let's do shots of tequila. <laughs> we were like, hey, we should talk about the actual thing we need to do. We had what had to have been under a, f- God, like a three to five minute conversation of like, okay, Done. cool. So like, here are the terms. Here's what I need. What do you need? Okay, what's your inflation? Cool. Can we work on that a little bit? Cool. What do you actually need to satisfy? Me asking him, what do you actually need to satisfy your bosses? And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, like, I'm good with this percentage. Can you make that percentage work? He's like, yeah, I'm super happy with that. I'm like, okay, cool. So if anything, I actually gave up just a slight touch of discounting because I knew if he could come away with just a little bit of profit margin, it would make his life a world of a lot easier. And by me doing that for him, he's now going to be committed to make my life a lot easier anytime I have to ask him about, hey, dude, so like some extra service things, you know, or there's some there's some problems I need to solve that are a little bit outside of our current SLA scope. Can you help me out? Because yeah, I man. took the time to bend over backwards for him. He's going to do the same for me. So this whole like really that's how it works. Well, that's you know what I have. I have so many folks where I'm short yeah. on my number for the end of quarter and it can be net new clients or net new prospects or existing customers where I've done the work. I've done the work. I, we have partnered this whole way. I have no issue. Like, let's say George, you're, you're like, Maria, you're going to be my people from now on. And we're not, you're not my customer yet, but I've done the work. I've helped you make your briefing. I've helped you take all the materials to your executive team. I've set you up so that you don't have to do anything. I'm going to do the work for you as your partner. Let's be successful together. And then you say to me, it's approved. And it's eight days left in the quarter. You better believe my very next question is what do we got to do to get this shit in before the end of because that that now I've helped you this whole way. I need just a little help from you. <laughs> and and you know what? It's the coolest thing because people will help you. They will absolutely do it. I've never had anybody say it's not gonna happen. I, I'm not gonna go to bed. I will it's go. exciting I to get new toys, Maria. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> it's yeah. exciting to block your number. <laughs> like, and and it's cool. If you wanna like get uh really nerdy about it, right? I mean you've you've talked about, you know, you didn't see any results, but then suddenly you were getting these referrals, right? So that's like one manifestation of the magical flywheel that every sales organization is after, right? You've built like a sustainable, you know, mechanism to drive uh, top of funnel leads. In this case, what you're talking about is that trust. What is that doing? That's sales velocity, right? It's like actually helping the speed to signature because you're not, dancing with strangers like you're like all right cool yeah i can and i've seen posts like that i have seen CISOs come out on linkedin and be like hey y'all it's almost the end of the fourth quarter if you have anyone out there you should try to get this done before you go off to vacation because these people that's like how they eat right so yes i think there's understanding of that but that you don't get that far without the trust um cool so george uh over to you for the our penultimate question Oh yeah, no that thing. Um, this is a really good conversational what? chemistry, guys. <laughs> My question is: At what point in a seller's career should they begin uh, doing things in the way that you two have been? Like, is this something a green rookie could implement from the start, or do you need a few years and a client Rolodex already in hand to be effective going at this relationship first approach? I'll start. I'm. So when I started, that was 12 years ago, uh, I became, I was a bartender and then I did this. So I've always just been a relationship person because that's what you are when you're a bartender or anything like that in the service industry, I think. Now, we didn't use LinkedIn 12 years ago to the extent we did now. I don't think a CISO was on LinkedIn 12 years ago because it was, <laughs> like, like, I don't, so you couldn't do it that way, but you could still, and cold calling was wildly the way things were done and it was acceptable because you were at your desk, you were calling people's cell phone and somebody would say, how did you get my phone number? My answer, George, would be from Zoom Info. Sorry, I pay a subscription. You're in there. No, no clue how you ended up there. Do you have a minute? Which is beautiful, by the way, to say that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful response to that, by the way. But it's human. You ask me, you ask me a question, I'm answering your question. So there's ways... There's ways to do it and the tools are going to change. I guarantee you in two years, y'all are going to be fed up with using LinkedIn as a mechanism. I'm not going to, it's going to change and it's going to continue to change. 
What can't change is your authentic self and the way that you approach anybody. It doesn't matter if you're trying to close a deal, if you're trying to buy something, if you're trying to interview somebody for a case study, it doesn't matter. Just come at it as your authentic self and, and as a human first and the rest will fall into place. Like it's just, there's, this is not like a science. Sure. There's Mm -hmm. mechanisms and methodologies in the current state with the different tools and platforms that are at our uh, fingertips. But if you're going to be a robot, people are going to treat you like a robot. If you're going to be a churn and burn quota feeder, people are going to treat you that way. If you're going to come at somebody and say, George, cool ass hat, I should have worn mine, but my hair is really greasy. uh, You're going to laugh. And then we're going to talk about whatever we want to talk about. So just be your authentic self in the conversation, just like anything else. So flow naturally. It's not, it's not hard. Sorry, I'm very passionate about this subject. I just don't want to. I love it. I love it's it. Just common Amazing. sense. I love it. Don't step off that soapbox. I will not. No, don't. All right, Carlos, Carlos what, you, man? what are your thoughts? Yeah, what are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. So, can a green per- can a young person do it? You know, I think what I think a certain level. Some people are just more introspective than others, right? Some people are more interested in kind of developing their own level of EQ. And and I think that that part really matters. I mean, for instance, okay. I mean, I was um, networking with this guy on LinkedIn. I I, I I realized he was a compliance director at some company, be a perfect client for us. And I just started, he he posts something. So I said, Hey, I might be able to help you. So I, I gave him something and then I kept giving him a few other things. And then we ended up doing this whole meditation talk. And finally he said, Hey, why don't we meet? It took like nine months for him to say, why don't we meet? And then after we met, I didn't tell him anything about what we do. And then he sent me a message after I invited him to our webinar and said, Hey, by the way, next time we get on a call and we had this call scheduled, tell me what you do. I told him, I told my whole crew about this at work and they were like, I would never do that. <laughs> They're like, I would never spend that time and in, in to, to develop, you know, that that type of relationship. But for me, I mean, it was cool to get the meeting, but I learned so much along the way about relating with other people and having conversations with leaders. And I think just having that level of curiosity is, is so important. And then and then there's also an element of just pure skill and, and, and whatever Maria told you she just did where she, she said, hey, by the way, I got your number off Zoom info. I mean, not everyone's going to have the presence of mind to do that. I don't know that I would have. I mean, but there's certain ways that people are too, that it's just going to lend for them to be better, better at this. But I think there is a certain level of maturity and life experience that's needed also to, to kind of, Oh get yeah. Life experience is life experience is big. And I would say like you two both came into cybersecurity sales from areas where you had to be very social before, right? If you imagine the college kid who comes in as the inside sales rep, they sort of get indoctrinated. Like these are leads. And we look at conversion, basically at the very beginning, they start to abstract people, right? Totally. They're not humans that you're trying to get rid of. These are numbers that that you like move through, you know, whereas like you two had that experience. It's interesting though, because like Maria, I'm I'm with you on this. I was, I was working in bars as a bouncer and bartender for like 10 years. um, And I work for a dating company. So in my mind, sales is just dating with, with a different climax than payoff. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. Um, just saying we're still floating line to PG, but um, I do think that a lot of the same skills of like trying to approach someone, like like the way you'd want to ask someone out, the way you'd want you know someone to be. Yeah, you to wouldn't present be an anti-social sociopath, right? Yeah, dude, it's it's like weird, man. Like, and you know, the people who are creepy in a bar context are probably the same people who are creepy in a sales context. Right. So I think there's a lot of cross correlation there and, and folks that have worked in the service industry, if you're listening, cyber selling is very much a natural transition for you. Yep. Seriously. For real. We went, we went through a period in time when I was the hiring manager, which was another story for a different time. <laughs> where I refused to hire anybody that hadn't worked in the service industry because for a period when I was just a, a individual contributor before that, I convinced management, I go go to the bar down the road and hire all the bartenders. And it, it ended up being three of us, three, three girls and we kicked ass and took names for like three solid years. It was amazing. It was just three of us and we slayed it. And then they moved on to some other stuff and we got different management and stuff. But I, I totally, cause it's just a natural, you're comfortable talking. And that's what sales is. You have to be comfortable in your skin, 
comfortable talking, but you also have to know your shit. You can't just rely on word, you know, words. You have to be, you know, you have to be technically adept and understand your product inside out and backwards or your service inside out and backwards. So once you bless break you, the Maria. ice, if it's bless you for saying that well, so much. That's important. <laughs> well, because if you if you break the ice that quick, the next question you're going to say is, "Cool, what do you what is it you do?" I got to be able to tell you. And then you're like, let me go get an engineer. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> Sorry. You know, this, so this is what I did. You know, so and talk about learning, know, knowing your shit or learning how to talk to executives or know the industry. That was a big part of why I started listening to, to podcasts. And, and that was just to learn how people were, were talking. And then I think there's, you know, again, having a certain level of, of curiosity is important, but also what else, you know, not being afraid of the blank canvas. I think that's another thing, right? Like I, Marie and I could just quit working. Like no one's going to check on us for six weeks. I mean, so, you, I mean, seriously, I mean, they just, I mean, they made, I don't think so. I mean, it'd take a while until you just weren't hitting your numbers and then they'd, you know, find you and, and try to choke you or something. But, but I mean, you have to be open and willing to say, Hey, here's the blank canvas and this is how we're going to build it. And it takes a certain amount of gravitas and kind of creativity to, to do that unless you're just going to try to grind through your spreadsheets and do that whole other thing. A blank canvas and getting out of the spreadsheets is a perfect place to end this conversation. <laughs> Obviously, we could go on for hours. I love talking to you all. I talk to all of you every day, multiple times a day. But um, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this methodology and like kind of breaking down the tactics. I really appreciate that. And I think that our listeners will too. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having us, you guys. It's always fun. Bomb. Love it. That wraps up this episode of Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks. If you liked what you heard, consider sharing what you learned on LinkedIn and tag the show. We'd love to hear from you. Or leave us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. New episodes drop every Monday. Listen and subscribe. We'll catch you next week. Oh, okay. Well, George is talking <laughs> yeah. about dating and, and climax. No, no, we had lots of real going. <laughs> oh, that's definitely going in the promo. That's going like right up front at the beginning of this. George A. CISO dating that's, app is extraordinary. I help people that's, get laid for a living, okay? Yeah. That's right. God bless He's humanity. a helper. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, George, go.